You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about Continental Belts. If you think of all the weird things that you find in cars, I'm not talking about just French fries or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, the kind of stuff that really makes you wonder about folks. Well, another thing that'll make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental Belts. I bet you didn't know that they're OE, millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. And Continental has launched the aftermarket multi-V belt with this OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series of belts. These belts are fanatically engineered for a perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of the vehicle on the, uh, vehicles on the roads in the U.S. and Canada. And Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belts, these are the belts with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, go to oetechnologyseries.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre. I've got Bill Goldberg traveling a little bit, calling in from Atlanta. Hey, Bill, how are you? Well, it's hot Atlanta. Yeah, hot Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> making a quick trip out there, seeing a buddy and uh, supporting a friend. I love that. Uh, we'll remind you guys that Geico, you know, CarCast is brought to you by Geico and, of course, Continental Belts. And Dodge, there's no better place, there's no better time to celebrate speed, power, and performance than during Dodge Performance Days. So hurry in and replace that new car smell with the smell of burnt rubber. <laughs> All right, fantastic. <laughs> um, man, we just want to do a follow-up a little bit on uh, on the show from last week. We've got some news, some stuff we've got going on, and uh, some updates on the car projects. And uh, I know we did, uh, we did a little bit on... Uh, on WWE and you getting back into the ring. And the one thing we weren't able to disclose at the time was who your opponent was going to be. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. But now we all know. Now we, now are. we all know. So you are going up against Undertaker. Yeah, man. You know, um, I, I put a post out on Instagram yesterday yeah. and I was like, you know, here's the deal. There's a lot of things that came into play when I got the phone call and, it's not an easy decision for about 15,000 different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of them are quite obvious, but let's be perfectly honest. I mean, um, no matter what time in your career, no matter what point in your career, even if you've retired a couple of times, if you get an opportunity such as the one that I've been presented, it's really hard not to say yes. Um, you you compromise a number of things so that you can accomplish something that you've wanted to accomplish for a long time, which is I've wanted to get in the ring with The Undertaker ever since I got into the business. Yeah, um, He was a, fr- a friend of mine before I got in the business. And, you know, he's a legend. I mean, I, I don't know who you can compare to The Undertaker. I mean, Hogan, that's just about it. Yeah. Um, so and- it's an opportunity, man. And uh, I-, I couldn't say no. So um, that... If it wasn't Taker, I, I can't say that I would have done it by any means, but it's it's interesting. He's 54, I'm 52. Um, you know, it's 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 not going to be a lot of flying around high spot, you know, 
acrobatic yeah. wrestling. It's just going to be two old guys beating the shit out of each other, I think. <laughs> no so, no backflips I mean, off how, the top how rope. How daring would that be, you know? I mean, yeah. I don't think I'll be doing any backflips, no. Uh-uh. Uh, you're right. Uh, Taker is is a fan favorite. He's always seemed like a good dude. I don't know him personally, but uh, just been watching him for years and years. And for the longest time, he was like undefeated at WrestleMania. He was one of, you know, kind of went down in the history books as like the longest undefeated WrestleMania uh, a wrestler out there. And I'm curious about, uh, you know, of, of course, I was going to ask about the relationship between you and Taker. And, you know, you're saying that you guys have been friends for a long time. How is he held up physically? I mean, this is a grueling thing, and he's got a lot of years in the ring. Oh, it's tough, man. And I say, you know, we're friends. I, I've, I've known of Taker for years, and we met in Atlanta hundreds of years ago, and um, we've been cordial ever since. But, you know, um, anybody that's been in any type of physical activity occupationally uh, for an extended period of time is going to accumulate a number of injuries, man. And he's no different. I mean, oh, I'm sure. The stuff, the stuff that he's done in that ring you know, and he's 54 now, man. I mean, it's it, it comes back to haunt him every time he puts his boots on. But, you know, it's, it's <laughs> the same way with me, but, you know, to a lesser degree. Right. Um, uh, like, there's reasons why, you know, Mick Foley can't get in the ring anymore. <laughs> there's reasons why, you know, it's tough for Steve Austin to get in the ring if he could. I mean, that's, a that's you know, he's... He's he's taken some bumps over the years. So I, I mean, what do you guys do? Do you get on the phone? Do you have a conversation? You're like, take her, do whatever you want, except don't step on my foot because I kicked the bag at Muay Thai too many times. I broke that toe like six times. So so stay away that's, from the that's, toe. That's pretty <laughs> ironic because that's the exact conversation. <laughs> Is it really? As a matter of fact, after this podcast, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call Taker and say, listen, man, you can't step on my pinky toe because I broke it in the Muay Thai. The bag of more time. Multiple times. Um, yeah, I, I, you know what? Hey, man, I, we'll show up and uh, we'll put, he wears gloves, I wear gloves, and the bell's going to ring and we're going to go for it. Um, way that may the best man win. You know? um, I, I don't know. It's going to be a different encounter for me and one that I'm very much looking forward to. So, what are we about four or five weeks out? I wish. Three, three and a half weeks. Oh now. my gosh, three and a half weeks. How's the training going? What are you? Oh my gosh, and about it. You don't have to go. I, <laughs> I know. I'm nervous for you <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, it sucks because yeah. I got the phone call and, and they pulled me off the couch, you know, with seven weeks before showtime. So, <laughs> I mean, like I said, again, I'll take it as a compliment and they think I can get in shape, but. Um, hey man, there's only so much you can do in a short period of time. So I, I, I hey, I'm, as long as I feel good mentally, I'll, I'll, I'll be decent physically. So uh, I'll be ready to rock. I guarantee you that. I'm not putting the boots on and looking like you know, you know, um, Chris Jacob or anything. <laughs> Look, I, I don't think there was any. <laughs> uh, I love Chris. Any risk of that? Um, I know somebody. Uh, Oh, it was funny because we did the show last week and somebody on, on Twitter was reaching out. They were just having fun. And they're like, how much training could you do for a, a minute in the ring? And I said, I wrote back, I was like, eh, it's more than a minute. But also, I challenge you to go to a minute in the ring with Goldberg any day. Any day. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> any day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and goes. what people yeah, also a good time. don't understand is that, you know, it, it's the emotional 
toll that it takes on you too. I mean, it's not like I'm flying to Sacramento and getting in the ring with, you know, a first timer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm flying to, to the Jetta, you know, 16 hours. I'm yeah. getting off a plane and I'm getting in the ring with arguably one of the most famous and legendary characters in the world of professional wrestling. And, you know, I just, I couldn't pass it up and, and I'm bringing the I'm bringing some pain to him. I guarantee you that I, he's going to know I'm there. I can guarantee. Oh, and he's got to be expecting that. Taker's got to be expecting that. He's going to bring it. This is a this is going to be a big event. There's a lot of eyeballs on this, and and uh, you guys have been successful doing this because you understand what it takes to to make it entertaining. So uh, good luck to you both. Hopefully, you both come back in one piece. <laughs> I well, that means we have to get there in one piece, and I don't think that's the case even now. But yeah, um, you need you to know, get there in one piece. And uh, uh, it sounds like it's going to be it's going to be exciting, and it's going to be exciting to see. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll find a way to watch it. I'm not sure what the WWE's deal is. I got to find out. But um, uh, WWE Network, get your subscription today. Is it on the network? Is it a pay per view event? Yeah. They, okay, it's it, on their it, network. It's on, it's on the network. All right, I'm going to have to go and find that and do that. All right, I'll tell you guys a little bit about Continental Belts. If you think of all the weird things that you guys find in cars, I'm not talking about French fries or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, stuff that makes you wonder about, folks. Well, another thing that will make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental Belts. I bet you didn't know that they're OE, a millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. That's pretty much everything out there. Continental has now launched the aftermarket multi-V belt with this OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series of belts. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. It's Continental OE technology series multi-V belts, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, go to oetechnologyseries.com. Uh, all right, so uh, we've got some stuff to touch on that I mean, you know you guys are curious about. Um, two things at the top of the list are uh, the Toyota Supra. I want to talk a little bit about that because it's all over the news. And now that the embargo has been lifted, everybody can come in with their test results and initial thoughts and, and whatnot. Um, well, I haven't driven it yet, but, uh, but we do have some numbers to run by you. And uh, and the Ford Ranger. We've been talking about the Ford Ranger. It's been anticipated for a long time. What's going on with the Ranger? I have one now that I've been driving. I've, I've only been in it for about a day or so, but I'll give you some initial thoughts on that as well. Uh, but before we uh, before we get into those, uh, let's get a, an update on what you've got going on. Uh, last time we spoke, you got the uh, the Speedcore uh, Hellcat back. Uh, all the carbon fiber stuff, the wide body. Now you got a little bit of seat time in the car. Um, uh, but now what are you thinking? You think you're going to send it back for more work? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, um, you, you mentioned seat time. Our buddies at Sparco hooked me up with those seats, those carbon fiber seats. Do, do you fit? Um, do you fit? How do you like uh, them? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, not really, but um, my bud does, but my shoulders don't. <laughs> Yeah, that's. So, I, I know, knew that was going to be the it, case, it, but I like that seat a lot. Yeah, me too, and it's gorgeous. And you know, as much time as I'm going to spend in the car, um, I, I think it'll be absolutely fine um, once I get the harnesses 
mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the roll bar put in and, and I get locked down in that thing. I think it'll be all right. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a good daily driver's seat by any stretch of the imagination. But like I said, the damn thing sure looks good and it's functional and, uh, it complements the car, you know, the carbon fiber wheel that I put on also. I mean, it's, it's some good stuff. And next up, a couple of weeks down the road, you know, we're going to send that thing back to speed core, get the uh, full cage put in it. And, uh, you know, then hopefully take it out to Willow Springs here soon. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about doing a little bit of a track day, maybe team up with our buddies at, uh, at Edmonds and see if we can get, uh, We'll do sort of a Edmonds car cast collaboration and uh, get some cars out there and have some fun. And I think it would be fantastic to um, – it'd be fantastic to get uh, some of these project cars out there and, and give you guys some driving impressions, some track impressions of these cars and uh, and see kind of how they run. I mean this I, – I can't imagine what this thing is going to sound like when you can get it out there onto a track and really kind of open it up and, and, and kind of – sort of legally get a chance to drive it the way it should be intended to drive, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, the best analogy I can give you, the best you know, comparison is when it opens up, it sounds like Mad Max. It yeah. really does. It's it's just absolutely crazy. It's, and my boy, like I said, does a great impression of it. It's quite annoying after about five minutes, but he's spot on with it. Yeah, fantastic. Um a little bit of housekeeping here. We've got Chris over in the booth, and uh, Chris, I don't have a timer, so I don't know what's going on with the with the show. So. Let me get that going. All for right, you. there you go. Got to got to stay on schedule here. Um, uh, so you're thinking it's going to go back to Speedcore and and some new stuff. They're developing some new stuff, or do you have some ideas for them? No, they. You know, they. Well, again, they. Um, just so happened to have a couple cages sitting right over there in the corner of the shop getting ready to put in a challenger. So hell, I might as well put my name on one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then I think, uh, I think in all honesty, I think we're going to move from that car to the, uh, the skinny tire charger next. And I want to kind of do the same thing that was done with the challenger, the, 17 charger. Yeah. It's interesting. I like that idea. You know, of course, there's a wide body charger coming out. You know, we've confirmed that. Uh, oh, yeah, but, we have. But this, but every car has, every car in the garage has to be uniquely badass. <laughs> right. It's got to be yours. That's the whole so point. It's got to be I've got to have it. the first twin turbo, you know, uh, four door charger. Oh, man. Those guys in New Mexico, the turbo guys. Uh, yeah, uh, buddy. They're what a nice guy, John. John, right? Is it John? Yeah, guys are great. Man. Yeah, uh, I want to do a project with them at some point. I would love to do a project with them. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Uh, the Hellion guys do. and Turbonatics yeah. guys. And, yeah. Um. Uh, all right. Well, you know, speaking of turbos, it's going to be a different. It's going to be a different drive. You're. Are you? Are you more of a turbo guy than a than a supercharger guy? Well, so that's a good question. So is is I've always been a supercharger guy, not because I like one over the other, but because that's what has been available to me, especially in the aftermarket. Uh, turbo kits, especially in the you know Fox Body Mustang days, were sort of very rare and they had to be custom done, and the tuning was very difficult. And now it's more readily available. 
Um, and every new car seems to be having turbos on them. But putting like Vortex superchargers and Paxtons and things like that on the Mustangs have have uh, have something that I was starting to do in high school. Like we had nitrous kits, but then we got into supercharging. And of course, my my ninety three Cobra has got a big pro charger on it. Um, but this is why I'm super interested in a turbo car. Of course, a bunch of Adam Kroll's race cars, they're all turbo. Um, and I'm interested in whatever the next project car is for me. I've got the 93 Cobra's got the pro charger. I know that car is not done, but that's going to scream with the pro charger and the M3 has a Vortec on it. So they both got, uh, you know, a belt driven centrifugal superchargers, uh, on them. Just sort of the, and the centrifugal superchargers, a lot of guys have seen kind of looks like a belt driven turbo. That's what I meant by belt driven. It looks like a belt driven turbo. So I I like those. I like the way the power comes on with those. Um, but yeah, now I'm interested in a turbo car. I don't know what the car is going to be. I got to come up with something. I'm talking to a couple uh, groups about what's going to be next. Um, and yeah, we'll I don't get- want to be a, I don't want to be a weenie, but you know I'm I'm a little bit hesitant with you know like 1500 horsepower. You know, waiting for it to spool up and then hey, there it is. Yeah. Well, that's my only little hesitation. Well, look, I mean, in three weeks, you're getting in the ring with Undertaker. So I don't know what you're worried about with the turbo car. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, you got life goes on. This is one night with Taker, man. And it's not going to change my life. The reality is I come back to being a car guy. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. And you know what it is, is, is what's great about those guys at the turbo guys. You can tell them it's like, let's. Let's set it up for a certain amount of horsepower and then, you know, get get a few weeks or so of, of seat time in it and then dial it up a little bit and dial it up a little bit. I guess you can play around with it if you want. Uh, I But I'm, you're right. I haven't driven a 1,500 horsepower car, 1,200 horsepower car. I have no idea what it's going to be like. I've driven some six 700 horsepower cars, not – not necessarily 700 horsepower from the factory because the factory tries to dial in as much safety as they can. Like I've driven some high horsepower modified cars. I've driven some high horsepower Mustangs with superchargers and stuff. And you know, you you take a you take a new five liter Mustang and you put a big twin screw supercharger on it. You got 700 plus horsepower in a car that came with I don't know 460. It's scary. It's rear wheel drive, and you can turn the track control off, and that thing will get get around on you with no problem at all. You know, uh, but it's but it's but it's a, it's a different power surge than the turbo. You it, know, so it's just it's the fear of the unknown for me because when I'm going around a corner in that in my ninety two nine eleven, mm-hmm. and that turbo kicks in, you know, you're you're teetering right on death. Yeah, so uh, it's just you know taking taken care of where you are, your circumstances and your surroundings. But, um, you know, going in a straight line, I'm not worried about that 1200 or 1500 kicking in. It's just, uh, you know, it'll, it'll just take some seat time. Yeah. That's what it's going to take some seat time. But the, the good news is this, is you've been driving around in, in all of the, uh, all of the Hellcats and demons and whatnot. And those, those twin screw superchargers that you have puts a lot of low end torque. So, You've been getting a lot of seat time, and we did a little bit of this in, in uh, at Speed Fest and even Detroit. 
is how you feather that throttle on on initial takeoff because there's so much low end torque in the RPM band. Now these these turbo cars. They're going to kick in a little bit later. The turbo cars are actually fairly similar to the supercharger cars that I drive, like my M3. It kicks in a little bit later in the power band. So um, off the line, I have a little bit more control. But you're right. It's up high in the RPM, and I'm going through a turn, and I hammer down. You can really <laughs> feel that power kick in. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I, I think you getting seat time in the twin-screw uh, cars now is going to help you. Because you're already kind of feathering the get, the throttle, I, you'll, you're going to be. It's going to be interesting when you get into it. I think you're going to like it. Yeah, and I fun. mean, hey, that 1,200 horsepower all carbon fiber demon from Speed Tour, the red car that I drove up at Hoonigan. Yeah, um, you know that wasn't a, that wasn't a, a departure from what I'm driving already. It's a supercharger. It comes on with a little bit more power, but it's not unmanageable by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just, you know, it, it's predictable. Put it that way, right? Right. And it's the it's the unpredictability of the horse, but it's uh, of the of the turbos. But all that is is just learning the car. So yeah, I'll get some time in it and have some fun. Right on. Uh, all right, let me guys, let me tell you a little bit about Geico. Everybody's got a to do list. You drop off some dry cleaning, you pick up some milk, and now you can add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance, and you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. You just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to do you can do today. Be sure to check out Geico.com. Um, all right, so... Toyota Supra. The guys have been going out. They've been driving. They've been doing these, you know, these ride and drive events planned by Toyota, and uh, and uh, people are starting to come up with some reviews. This is what we know about the Toyota Supra. Everybody has seen the pictures. It's got a three liter turbo straight six on it. It's basically uh, came out of the BMW parts bin, um, which is fine with that. Look, I, I, there, we can get into the BM, BMW versus Toyota thing, but it comes down to this. They're different cars. The, the Z4 has completely different engine tuning, suspension. As a matter of fact, it even has different engines. And uh, it's just, it's just, uh, it's, 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 you know, the, the, the fit and finish and, and how solid it feels and the amount of leather and everything in it is, is going to be different between the Toyota and the BMW, and the BMW is going to reach a different market. Um, so I don't really look at them as side-by-side. Side. I don't know there's a lot of people cross-shopping a Z4 with a Toyota Supra. I think the audience is very different. Um, that yeah, all being said— I don't said, really know of anyone who would fall in that category. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind, of a weird, kind of a weird thing. But um, look, right now— the this is what we know. The Toyota Supra has got a three liter turbo six. It's three thirty five horse, three sixty five pound feet, um, which isn't bad. It weighs about thirty four hundred pounds. Um, but I don't know. It seems like by today's standards of car weights, that's fairly light. Um, it has an eight speed automatic transmission. It is co developed with BMW. It has paddle shifters in it, and the zero to sixty time is about four point one seconds. Four point one is quick, guys. It's 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 limited top speed right now of 155. I'm sure the aftermarket tuning is going to get all over this. This is the beauty of having a turbo car, a simple tune or whatever, and you're going to pick up some good power on this uh, thing. But 4.10 to 60, 
rear wheel drive. It has a it has a great fifty fifty weight ratio, front to rear uh, weight ratio. Um, and you know when uh, when you're driving it around, you know they're saying it's twenty six miles per gallon combined, um, which is pretty good. And uh, they start at about fifty thousand bucks. And at fifty thousand dollars, you get the three thirty five horsepower straight six. It's the only engine option in the Supra for now. And that's about the price of the four-cylinder Z4. If you get the six-cylinder Z4, which is more horsepower than the than the Supra, you start jumping into the, I don't know, high 60s, maybe low 70s range. So it, you know, so it doesn't really Again, I just don't see it's a lot of cross-shopping going on. Now it is possible that at some point the Super may be offered as an entry-level car. It'll have this six in it for all the enthusiasts, and then uh, uh, and then maybe it'll have the four-cylinder for for people that want to want, want a cool car but get in it for a little less money. Uh, one of the gripes that I had when I saw the car was just like, you know, it 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 kind of looks cool. I I felt like the back looked a little better than the front, but it had a lot of weird fake vents on it. And uh, again, I haven't got a chance to crawl around the car too much. I did a little bit at um, Auto Club Speedway when they had it as the pace car at the NASCAR event that I went to. Um, but uh, at some point, I'd like to get in the car and drive it and give you guys some more feedback on it. But um, all those fake vents I was complaining about before, apparently the plastic on those fr- those fake vents is what is closed off and fake but the backside of the metal on most of those vents might be opened up which means if you really wanted to and you were going to build a track car you wanted more cooling or you're upping the horsepower and you're doing turbo upgrades and bigger intercoolers and stuff like that you could probably start to cut away at those plastic vents and make them functional and if that's true, I love that. And of course, the aftermarket's going to say, "Great, just take out all the plastic vents. We'll sell you, you know, functional <laughs> vents, and no problem." I mean, how is the Toyota Supra not going to be one of the most modified cars at the SEMA show this year? I imagine every company. I think SEMA already had a measuring session and CAD files available for the aftermarket. Uh, if I don't see. 35 of these things on the SEMA show floor, then there's something wrong because that's what this is for. It's meant to be a a, a a tuned car. Like go and have some fun with it and modify it. And I'm fully expecting just a plethora of, of coilover conversion kits and turbo upgrades and tunes and every wheel and tire kit. What's interesting about the guys at Toyota is uh, the interview with one of the engineers, he was saying – Yes, we planned this car to be modified. And he, that's when we, we started getting some details on the vents. He's like, you can make the vents functional. And I think the deck lid is some sort of composite, but the rear where the deck lid meets uh, the rear quarter panels, which are, which are, I don't know, aluminum or steel, they actually made the metal in those areas thicker than the rest of the car. So if the aftermarket wants to do wings or the, or the racing cars want to do a functional wing, the deck lid won't really hold it because it's composite. But if you put if you put the standoffs, if you put the arms of, of that wing further out onto the metal, it'll hold it up. And it's been beefed up specifically for that. That's the kind of shit that I'm, I love. I love when the after when the manufacturer says the appeal to this car is everybody's ability to personalize it. So let's not drop the ball. Let's make it 
that they can personalize it and this car is going to hold up. And uh, anyway, that's that's I like that they're doing that. I like that. Oh, it's, got like some an Amer- it's like an American muscle car that, you know, you, you buy entry level and you take out and customize to your liking. I mean, they're brilliant for taking forward, you know, forward thinking like that. Right. I mean, uh, you're right. Uh, the cars that we have now, like we talked about the, the Trackhawk with 707 horsepower, but that drivetrain is already rated at well over 800 horsepower, 800 pound feet of torque or something, or 800 horsepower. Uh, uh, so people go out and drag race those things. Um, and, and Ford, Ford's doing the same thing. Camaro is doing the same thing. You're getting these nearly 500 horsepower cars and we're throwing superchargers on them and getting them 690 horsepower and they run fantastic. And they run fantastic with something like 11 to 1 compression and then we're supercharging them. So uh, that durability factor is kind of cool. So I'm excited about testing a Toyota Super at some point. Um, uh, and I think... Like some people will like the look, some people won't like the look. Look, that's common with every car that that hits the road. But uh, it's it's really going to be about how it performs. You know, look, we we talked about the Lamborghini Urus, the SUV that's out there, and I still think it's a little goofy looking, but I think it's going to be a hell of a performer. And and. Yeah. And yeah. and for that reason, I can't wait to try one. I mean, six hundred—I don't know, six hundred and forty-one, six hundred and forty-seven horsepower. Sign me up. You you give me a nearly seven hundred horsepower SUV. Uh, I want to see what it does. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh. Anyway, so pr- pretty cool stuff uh, with with that uh, coming out, and I'll tell you guys about the Ford Ranger as well. But uh, but uh, I'm going to tell you about. It. We got these guys on. We were telling you guys about the trains. You know, don't cross the train tracks. Well, now check this out. You don't might th- do it. You might think to yourself, uh, I'm in a rush. Maybe uh, it's uh, too uncomfortable here. Sometimes I just forget. But there's no excuse, no good excuse for not buckling up. You're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2017, more than 10,000 unbuckled people were killed in crashes. 51 or se- 51% of people killed in crashes were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, your seatbelt is the best defense, even in the back seat, including taxis, ride-sharing services, things like that. I always buckle up on the back of I, – I was in – I was in, Actually, then. I was in like an Uber or a Lyft, and the guy was literally telling me, he's like, I have the highest rating as a driver. I've never been in an accident. In mid-sentence, he hit the car in front of him. <laughs> and, and, and i was buckled up and then i got out of the car and i said we're done here sir and i walked away i walked home uh, so uh listen also it's you know it cops are on the lookout and they're writing tickets so why risk it uh click it or ticket i know we've got a lot of comments about that but uh just do it it's fine just just wear the seatbelt. Yeah, if you've got a problem with with uh with clicking your seatbelt then uh i i you know, you don't have any common sense. Oh, man. In, in in high school, uh, in my neighborhood, uh, two young gentlemen were, were driving and lost control and hit a pole. And one of those kids just flew right through the windshield and uh, had a very, very bad day. Lived to talk about it, but unpleasant for sure. Man, what a mess, too. I saw that out there. Um, all right, Ford Ranger. Uh, you know. What do you think? Tell I. Us. 
I, I've been waiting to hear it. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I mean, I like it. Uh, I don't, I, whatever they're calling it now, mid truck, mid sized truck, whatever. It's all mini trucks to me. <laughs> but uh, uh, this is what I think. You get in. First of all, I think the Ford Ranger is a good looking truck. I think it looks pretty sharp in the world of Nissan Frontiers and the Toyota Tacomas. The Tacoma is a little beefy looking, and the Frontier is a little soft looking, and. And uh, I think the Ranger kind of fits the bill. It's got a good look to it. Um, uh, I'm driving a 4x4 Lariat crew cap. So I got the four-door. I got the off-road suspension. Uh, This is no Ranger Raptor by any means, but uh, it is 4x4. I want to say the two-wheel drive version has something like an 8.2 or 8-something clearance uh, and the four by four is like eight point nine um, with the bigger tires and stuff. And I honestly, I I'm getting around in it, and I kind of like it. I see what it is. I see that it's functional. And in the world of F one fifties, the F one fifty is a great truck, best selling thing out there today. Um, but it's not always it. it you don't always need something that big, and it has grown in size over the years. And the Ranger, to me, feels like the layout of the interior and whatnot feels a little bit like you're driving one of their SUVs, like a, like the, you know, the, uh, not the Escape, the uh, Ford Edge, like the Ford Edge, uh, you know, but with a pickup truck back. Um, so I thought the layout and stuff of it was fine and the car play and, and Ford Sync and everything seems to work well. Um I will tell you this. If if you're expecting a lot of luxury, I'm not seeing it in this. There's a lot of there's a lot of plastic and stuff going on. I'm driving a forty five thousand dollar Ford Ranger Lariat, you know, with the leather interior and all that stuff, but just the doors are completely plastic. The dash has the soft touch stuff up on the top, but the rest is plastic. So I imagine that the entry level versions of this, the twenty five, twenty six, twenty eight thousand dollar versions of this truck, is going to feel a little sparse. It's going to feel a little bit cheap on the interior um, because the luxury version feels like it could be a little bit better. But uh, but for what it is, it seems pretty good to me. It's a good city size for LA size. It's 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 good for that. It has a two point three liter turbo in line four but the 2.3 liter uh you you think four cylinder you think it's not going to do much but keep in mind the 2.3 liter is in the mustang and it's in the ford focus and the focus rs and uh you know all that slightly different horsepower levels but i'll tell you this it's 270 horsepower and it's 310 pound feet of torque and it's got a 10-speed automatic behind it. And this 2.3 liter will tow 7,500 pounds. This is a 7,500-pound tow rating. And it moves the truck. Uh, the, 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 the four-wheel drive crew cab will do 0 to 60 in 6.3 seconds. And it runs 15-second quarter miles at 93 miles an hour. The truck weighs... 4,500 pounds, 45 and change. I think as as it's tested, 4,536. And uh, pretty decent gas mileage. I want to say it's maybe 20 city, 24, 25 highway. It, it varies depending on do you have the crew cab, do you not have the crew cab, it's a four-wheel driver, whatever. 
Um, I'm seeing about 18 and a half miles per gallon combined right now. Um, and uh, uh, here's the thing. It's a turbo. And because of that, there's power in there. There's power left on the table. So I did a little research before I even came here because I know everybody's tuning the Mustangs, the 2.3 Mustangs and the, and the Focus. And I was thinking to myself, what's already out there? And for 400 bucks, you can get the handheld tuner. You can get it with an 87, a 91, or a 93 tune. And you can get something like 65, almost 70 horsepower on a 93-octane tune and like 70 pound-feet of torque. Maybe it's like 60 horsepower and like 70 pound-feet of torque on a 93-octane tune. Cut about, I don't know, maybe about 20% for the 91-octane, and it's probably about 60% of that of that total for the 87. But an 87-octane tune would add like, I don't know, maybe 30, 35 horsepower and 50 pound-feet of torque. So for a few hundred bucks, you can get well over 300 horsepower and probably 370 pound-feet of torque if you wanted to just throw a tune on it. I'm not talking exhaust or cold air intake, but, you know, like you've heard us on the show a million times. We like to modify our stuff, so this is my go-to. It's like, hey, how often am I going to tow stuff? I might haul stuff around. And uh, I would pick up one of these things. I'd get a handheld tuner. I'd pump up the horsepower in it. And there's probably versions of the tuner be like, oh, I'm going to be towing. I'm going to put it in tow mode, right? So you don't burn up transmissions and stuff. And, it, it you know, uh, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I like the look of it. So far, it's been pretty comfortable to, to ride in. I thought the size is good for the city. I, I don't know that it's, you know, like... Bill, for you, you know, living on, living on the ranch and all that you guys got going on, oh, no. you know, it's 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 not necessarily for that, but I don't think it's supposed to be for that. No. You know, no, but, I think it's, uh, you know, for the, the tweener, the person who needs a truck but doesn't want a full-size truck, you know, doesn't uh, wants decent gas mileage, doesn't want to, what did you say the sticker was? Uh, they start at about twenty five thousand bucks, a little more than twenty five thousand bucks, and you can work your way up to about forty five. But there's a lot of variations in between crew cab and standard cab and long bed, short bed, you know, four wheel drive, two wheel drive. There's so many configurations of it. You can you can sit there all day long and build. But that spread, let's call it twenty five to forty five. That's a great entry level price for something that they could build into whatever they wanted to, kind of. You kind of um, can. Not whatever they wanted to. But, I mean, you know, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of technology and uh, history with that vehicle and with its other, with Ford's other vehicles that they can they can scavenge from. Yeah. There's so, as well as you know, uh, you know as well as anybody. So, it's, it's dependent upon the direction you go. And, uh, you know, that's a great entry-level price point. I, I think it is, and I think it, it, it fills a need. However, I could be wrong because sales of the Ford Ranger are not doing that well. I believe the Tacoma and the Chevy are still doing pretty well. Even the Nissan Frontier might be outselling the Ranger. And I want to know why or what do you guys think? So you guys listening to the show, I know you guys listen and often send us a few tweets and things like that or Instagram. Um, but uh, – uh, let me know. What do you think of the Ranger? And I, I know people are going to get into this this story of going, hey, the Ranger's not new. The Ranger's just new here in the U.S. It's an old platform, and it's been around in Australia or whatever. And uh, that's okay. 
Um, but it's new to us. And uh, let me know what you think of it and uh, what's going on. If you are in the market for a truck like this or have one of the competitors, do you like the Ranger? Do you not like the Ranger? Are you feeling like you're going to wait for the next revision of the Ranger? Like what's going on? Why we feel like sales are are not as hot as as everybody anticipated for this thing. So I'm curious what people think about it. Um, but uh, I've only got – I've been in it for about a, you know two days. Um, maybe I'll give you guys some more feedback on it uh, later. But so far, so good. I mean, I, I like – I got the four-wheel drive version, so I'm going to do a four-wheel drive stuff that you do in L.A. I'm going to hit curbs and, and people's lawns <laughs> and then I'm going to drive the through. The four-by-four experience is quite different than the four-by-four <laughs> experience in yeah. the country. Uh, over here, we're sort of in an industrial park where the studio is and stuff, and uh, so I can, I can, you know, jump off the sidewalk and let you know: is it bumpy? Does it feel good? And hit the sidewalk and go on and off and run over the blocks in the big parking lots over here, and and uh, and uh, uh, do a little on and off uh, uh, in the in the city version of it <laughs> to see what it what uh, what you guys think. Um, uh, I'll tell you guys a little bit more about Dodge. Of course, uh, just a reminder, it's Dodge Performance Days where we celebrated speed, power, and performance, and that new car smell gets replaced by the scent of burnt rubber. With the Dodge Charger, it's available with the best-in-class 485 horsepower. And we love that about those guys. And uh, before we wrap up, there's some uh, some some news that's going on out here. Ferrari just had their big conference call, their big like annual shareholders meeting conference call, and uh, they they let out a couple of things that I thought was interesting. Is this month Ferrari is going to be announcing their newest, latest, and greatest uh, supercar? It will be a hybrid supercar, a little bit like the uh, La Ferrari. Um, I don't know much more about it, but it's going to happen this month within the next two weeks or so. But what was interesting is, as you guys may know, Ferrari supplies engines to Maserati. The V8 engines, the turbos and stuff like that, they they sell the engines to Maserati. And during the conference call, the uh, uh, the, the CEO said, uh, oh, by the way, we're not going to sell engines to Maserati anymore. I'm sure they have a few years on their contract and say, we're not going to do it. And they basically said this for two reasons. They said, one, uh, the margins aren't great enough for it to fit our business model. And two, the resources that we're putting into building engines for our sister company, Maserati, we want to put those resources into building our own vehicles. Um, And I was like, okay, all of this makes pretty good business sense to me. The funny part is, is I don't think Maserati knew that. So the story goes, they listened to the conference call, to the shareholder call, and they went, what? (laughs) <laughs> like, well, where are we going to get our engines from? Like, what's going on? Uh, and it's it's kind of a, an interesting little surprise. And the press release that came out about about that or the articles that are, are coming out are sort of skipping over the fact that nobody believes that Maserati was aware of this. So it was sort of a shock to the system. But here's here's an idea for you. Fiat Chrysler of America, well, Fiat Chrysler, the parent company, owns Maserati, Lamborghini, or not Lamborghini, they own, uh, that's VW, but they own Maserati. It fits under that umbrella. Oh, does it now? Yeah, that's under the FCA banner. I keep thinking of uh, of all these guys where they all f- kind of fall in. And I'm wondering if, 
Maserati can't dip into the Dodge parts bin and start coming out with some V8 supercharged engines, some SRT engines, some Hellcat engines for their for their cars and SUVs. Instead you know, that's of, an interesting point, but but um, I I think it's a totally different sector. Um, you know, I, I haven't been in that Maserati, but I was in the market for one. You know why I was in the market for one? No, because of the sound of the engine. Oh yeah, it does. That's sound why good. I was in the market for one, and I wonder what percentage of people are 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 the same because that engine brought a lot of attention to that vehicle it does it does <laughs> i mean and my question is what in god's name are they going to do to replace that so is it a different direction do they do something similar i it, bet they're scrambling their asses off right now i'm sure they are i'm sure they've got a few years left on this deal with with uh with Ferrari, so I don't think it's a blow to them. It's not like they heard this uh, thing and then, you know, come Monday morning, they're like, we're out no, of engines. It's, it's still hard to replace someone like Ferrari, that's all. And you it, can have three years, and you know, you can have a three-year head start on it all you want, but, you know. I, I agree with you completely. I think one of the most distinctive features of the Maserati is that sound, and that sound comes by way of Ferrari, and uh, would we be okay with Maserati sounding like Hellcats. Do we want them to sound like muscle cars? You're not going to get that higher pitched, almost flat plane crank kind of sound. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't. I just think I think it's a different sector. It's a different. And sector. I think you're 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 taking away our. I don't know. Here's um, an idea for yeah, you. What I, if this? I, we worked is, for Dodge, you know, and 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 it'd be great for every everything was a Dodge product, but you're taking away options. You're taking away choices. Right. You know, the cool thing about automotive is that there's so many choices out there, and every day there gets to be more. So I'm, um, I'm going to throw this out know. there as an option before we wrap up. We keep looking at all the Hellcat engines and you know and uh, and Demon engines and 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 Red Eyes, and they're all big supercharged V8 Hemi's. What if Maserati said we're interested in your engines, Dodge, but don't give us that supercharger stuff? You send us the naturally aspirated Hemi engines like we drove in that 1320, and then Maserati does turbos. Gotcha. Yeah, you, you, you never know. I mean, I'm curious to see what happens. I really am. I'm looking forward to an interesting I, time. I, I think the Maseratis, like Maserati doesn't have a good reputation for being good quality and certainly a terrible resale value, um, but they're good-looking, and they sound fantastic. In, in, yeah, you know, they in, made a hell of a resurgence over the past couple of years. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. they sound so damn good. Because they That's sound why, so damn good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what they what they do. I'm sure they'll come up. Look, they, they can source to somebody else. They can develop their own engine. They're, they have a lot of options that they can do. Um, you know, the big, big parent companies, there's a lot of things going on in there. Uh, look, and we're seeing we're seeing Aston Martin teaming up with with AMG and the Aston Martin V8s are all coming from AMG and arguably the uh the uh the Lamborghini Urus engine is is uh is Porsche, right? It's it's their version of the Porsche uh V8 
or vice versa. I think it, it started as the Porsche V8 that you see in the Cayennes. And uh, uh, we'll see uh, what those guys are doing as well because they've got a lot in the works as well. So um, anyway, that's that. So we're going to – A lot in the works and I've got something I really want to talk about it, but we okay. don't have any time. So promise me next next week okay. we're going to – have a nice long conversation about this McLaren GT car coming out. The McLaren GT car coming out. Yes, I've seen. Please, dear God, I've please, seen this. I want to talk about that car. It's sort of the swoopy sketch, like the line drawings, the teasers of it, and uh, and and to give you guys all an update, the McLaren GT car is meant to be very much that a GT car. This is a road car. This is a. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's specifically an F1 replacement, but this is a street-going car, and it's going to be fantastic. And it'll be a nice recap. Uh, well, it'll, it'll be a good thing to talk about because uh, I will be driving the 720S Spider in about two weeks as well. Yep. Um, and uh, we've got some things planned for that. We're going to bring you lots of photos and maybe some video of that as well. So, uh all right, so as we're wrapping up, of course, you guys check us out at carcastshow.com. You can follow me at Motorator. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, listen to the show. Send us some comments. We'd love to hear you guys. Uh, and if we're missing anything, be sure to let us know. You can follow Goldberg on Twitter at Goldberg and Goldberg Garage. And you can follow him on Instagram, Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. See all the great posts that are going up there. My guess is if you follow Goldberg95 on Instagram, you'll see all kinds of good stuff coming up when he goes against Undertaker and you follow Goldberg's Garage and you're going to see all carbon fiber uh, <laughs> speed core. Oh, uh, we need some more photos of those seats, those Sparco seats in, oh, the, yeah. in the ride. Yeah. So I'm sure yeah. those are coming. I, I, but I'm going to hire a nice photographer to get all that stuff done because, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a little busy right now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I got a little, I got other things to worry about than a photo. But yeah, I want to get them out there. I want to get the stat sheet out there as quick as possible. And before we leave, man, I want to throw a nice shout out to Black Rhino uh, Wheels. Yeah. Um, they have provided me with some wheels for that truck that I thought was missing and gone and never going to be done. But they got the PCM. Oh, Mr. Nice. Mark Warman and the guys at Graveyard Cars are going to be finishing up that truck pretty soon. And uh, they don't hook me up with the tires and Black Rhino Wheels hook me up with the wheels. So thank you very much. We'll right on. When that thing's done, let's get Warman on the phone again and, and uh, bust his chops a little bit. Oh, I, I'll be glad to. <laughs> he's always fun. He's such him, a good man. sport. He's I, such love, a, him. I, I love, love having him, him on the show. You know so. cars. Yeah. You know, you're waiting on parts. It is what it is. But lovely guy. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And until uh, next time, uh, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Oh, oh, oh. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.